Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast, here to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are and what you're going through. And today, I'm thrilled to bring you a conversation that I had with Jenny Coolcraft. Jenny is the mum of three and the founder of Someone Cares, a ministry looking to provide support to people at Alderhey Hospital. And something that grew out of her and her husband's experience with their son, Matthew, something that she talks about in our podcast. She's also a part of Freedom Church Liverpool and is a physiotherapist. And as a physio, she works with women who are postpartum after baby loss. So we talk about a whole range of things, what it means to be a Christian, to live with an eternal mindset, to live as, a, as an agent, an ambassador of the kingdom of God that tries to see the kingdom advance wherever we are. I really valued our conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it too. I really valued our conversation. Jenny is an incredibly thoughtful and proactive Christian. I think you're going to find her very inspirational. She's doing some amazing things and she's following God's promptings and looking to express Jesus' heart for people wherever she is. She looks to use the gifts and the opportunities that she's given. And as I said, I'm sure you're going to really be blessed by what she had to say. You can read a little bit more about Jenny and what's going on with the ministry at Alderhey Hospital by clicking on the link in the description to today's episode. There's a great blog and article about her story on the Jubilee Plus website, which we reference. And we're going to jump straight into the conversation as Jenny tells us a little bit about their experience with their eight-year-old son, Matthew. So our son, Matthew, he, um, he was born with some pretty complicated health challenges. Um, and it's been a really long journey, to be honest. We've spent a lot of time in Alderhey Children's Hospital. He's had quite a few surgeries, lots of admissions, lots of unknowns. Um, and also he's never really had a unifying diagnosis, which means that we've never really known what's going on or what could potentially come next. So for us as a family, it's been a time where we've really had to trust God. Um, because when you don't have a diagnosis, you don't really, you know, where do you hang that? Um other than in God. And it's been a season where we really have learned that God is good. I think you often know that in your head until you really go through something and then you kind of learn it in your heart, don't you? Um, and so it has been a long process. He's, he's doing really, really well um, and he's really thriving, um, but it's not been an easy journey. Um, but out of that, we've seen a lot of good come. We've seen a lot of good come personally and individually in our own faith. Um, but also what it's led to is um, the, the ministry called Someone Cares run by Freedom Church, which gives us a, as a church the opportunity to support the chaplaincy service within Alderhay. Um, and we provide practical support for families when they're admitted. And we also have a team of volunteers now who go into the hospital and walk onto the wards and offer emotional support family support just a listening ear and also have the opportunity to pray with families as well um it's an absolute privilege as a physiotherapist i know that clinical and faith don't always mix that easily as a physiotherapist it was very hard to share my faith and yet here we are with swipe access into a hospital setting and have the opportunity to speak with families um, and just bring God's love and support and prayer into their situations. Um, so it's been absolutely incredible. My mind, my mind is blown by it, to be honest. Um, and it's an absolute privilege um, to be able to pray with families. And actually, a lot of families do actually want prayer in those situations as well. So we can really see that God has been present in 
our own story as a family with Matthew and also that he um, loves to be present in the situations of families in the hospital as well and it's been really special to be part of that yeah Yeah. when um, when you were pregnant with Matthew did did you know there's going to be complications before he was born or was it no we didn't it was a surprise yeah um yeah it all started just a few days after he was born really um and he had his first major surgery when he was 16 weeks old and we thought that that would be him that would be the end of the issues but he gained more and more issues as he as he got got older um unfortunately so it has been full time and really to be honest it's also led to a real questioning of um I guess identity and things as well and really having to place our identity in Christ um as a result of his health I had to step away from my career as a physiotherapist um and there was some challenges for that in for me um there was some loss in that um but actually it really redefined how I identify myself um which is in which is in Christ um and really I learned that <clears throat> God places us somewhere and uses us to build his kingdom it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look um but really where we are is about him revealing himself to the people that he's placed us with isn't it and i could do that actually to a greater extent parenting matthew than i could have done as a physiotherapist um so that's been a big lesson learned for me and i think it's a big lesson for all of us isn't it yeah and I mean I guess it's something that we we keep keep learning throughout our lives don't we but I imagine with for a lot of us when you you know you're involved in a um in our jobs it doesn't feel like a job that we do for a lot of us it's it's something we feel passionate about we're called to so when suddenly out of nowhere you have to make a big change I can imagine that is a is a death you're putting something down um how yeah i'd love to just that experience is i think familiar to many people but also people are quite scared of um massive changes interrupting their lives because we're also you know committed to and involved with what we're doing and yeah i know you've experienced quite a lot of change in your life you've moved around several times you, you mentioned before we started recording and what are some of your just maybe just some advice or thoughts on how you what what you'd say to people to help them process major change like that or sudden unexpected news Sure. I think, um, firstly, knowing that God is in those situations, isn't he? Um, and that he He walks them with us. They haven't taken him by surprise um, and that he's still present in them. And also that he can bring good out of all situations and he can use all situations for his purposes. I think one thing that I've spent a lot of time thinking about over the last few years is about his kingdom. Um, I remember during lockdown, being really struck by the verse, I've written it down here, Isaiah 54, verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I just had that real sense that we're all stakes in the ground and we've all been placed where we've been placed in our neighbourhoods, in our jobs, um, with the people that we encounter. And he purposefully doesn't place those stakes really close to each other because you'd end up with a very small tent they're purposefully spread out far 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 and wide aren't they um and I just had this sense in Liverpool and this is applicable anywhere in Liverpool of these stakes being hammered in the ground all over the city and the entire city becoming the dwelling place of the Lord um and really what is how can I build his kingdom 
and be a strong stake where he has placed me. And for some seasons of our lives, that might be in a work situation. In other seasons of our lives, it might be in a different situation. For quite a few years for me, it was um, on the school run and sitting in waiting rooms at Alder Hay. Um, that's where he placed me. But that doesn't mean that it's any less purposeful than if he'd placed me in a successful job with a high salary, does it? Um, in God's eyes, those those are exactly equal, and they're they're really God placing us amongst different groups of people in order to bring His presence and His kingdom there. So it it really kind of helped me redefine, I guess, my purpose in God's kingdom and all our purpose in God's kingdom, and it just brings that kind of excitement and refreshment to life and that sense of purpose, even if what we're doing is trudging the school run or spending hours sat in a children's hospital, there's actually opportunities to bring God's presence there, isn't there? Um, and to be his presence in that place. So I think for me, that brought purpose to a sudden change in situation that we weren't anticipating. Um, and And also we saw lots of answers to prayer through that as well. I think in those circumstances, you need to turn to prayer, don't you? Um, and we also experienced the love of our own church. It really, it says that, you you know, when Moses was weary, they had the others held up his arms in prayer. And we've really experienced that in our church family. Um, so there's been lots of positives and there's lots of positives that can come out of sudden changes in circumstance and situation, isn't there? Yeah. And they, they said, it doesn't matter what role you're in. You can, some people can fall into the trap of thinking that, uh, a high flying career that's paid really well is going to be the thing that's going to give them the esteem or validation they need. Whereas actually for any, for all of us, any of us, if our esteem comes from God, we know who we are in his, then we live for him. And actually you're right. We've got an identity that's able to withstand all manner of changes and also means that we don't end up making idols of the, the things in the world, whether it's our career or our families, whatever, because we understand that we're, we're agents in his kingdom we're sons and daughters of a father who's placed us um and this is something i know again we mentioned before we started recording that you grew up with a an awareness of this as well i'd I'd love to you know just share with people where you grew up and the circumstances around that because i find that's quite unusual and maybe some of the ways that that prepared you for some of the things that god's called you to yeah, sure. So my parents were working with Tear Fund when I was growing up. So I grew up in Kathmandu in Nepal. Um, it was an interest. It was an amazing experience. I grew up in a Nepali culture, but also my mom's Canadian. So I grew up in a Canadian household, um, but I'd come from the UK. So I told everybody I was British, um, then came back to Britain at the age of 11 and realized that I certainly didn't feel British, but nor was I Nepali and nor was I Canadian. So I I think, firstly, the, the example of my parents um, going and taking God's love and his kingdom into other cultures, but also that I that kind of formative years of really not knowing where I was grounded, again, helped to ground me in Christ. So my identity is in him. Where are you from is a really complicated question for me to answer. Um, similarly, for a lot of years, what do you do has also been a really complicated answer to question. I can say I'm a physiotherapist, but I don't work as a physio. You know, well, how do I answer that? How do I say, where am I from? How do I say, what do I do? Um, and actually 
all of that has just really kind of grounded in me this sense that I'm a daughter of the king and I live in his kingdom that's and my purposes are his kingdom so yeah that's probably in a nutshell it's amazing I love how the Lord uses all of our different experiences in life to try to ground in us earth in us some of these really important truths and then builds on those things for the things that he then calls us to I loved I read on the Jubilee Plus blog uh, about what happened in the hospital and almost kick-started it seems what you're involved with now so could you share that that experience you had with your son and Uh yeah it was really special um my son during one admission about seven years ago um we were he's had a lot of admissions but during that particular one we were placed in a bay with three other families um and I remember it really clearly. And I remember that there was when, when you're in a bay and when you're during an admission, you do kind of become a large extended family. You kind of look after each other's kids while you pop down to the canteen to buy curry chips and, you know, like these types of things. But also you really share stories about why you're in. You share your worries and your concerns um, with the other families that you're with. And I think there was one day in the bay where the mom opposite kind of she just looked up from her phone and she asked whether anybody had the phone number for a fortune teller um and liverpool is actually it's quite a spiritual city but there's a real emphasis on kind of fortune tellers spiritualists mediums uh, and that's where people tend to look for their spiritual input so what happened next was probably quite unique to Liverpool because all the other moms in the Bay also got out their phones and they all started swapping phone numbers of spiritualists and fortune tellers and checking availability and oh well this one can see you but not for 10 weeks um, because she's fully booked and basically they were all looking for answers about what was going to come next worried about their kids very valid fears and I just remember in that moment I just didn't really I just felt really sad in my heart that we know that they weren't going to find the answers from a fortune teller um, and what actually was needed in their situation was God and his love. Um, and I just remember sitting and th- and praying, you know, like, God, wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring you uh, into Walder Hay and if we could bring um, even the prophetic rather than what a fortune teller has to say into these situations. Um And it was quite a dangerous little prayer, really. To be honest, I dismissed it. I prayed it and then dismissed it because as a physio, I was like, well, that's never going to happen. But actually, it led to some conversations with the chaplains at Alderhey and also with the church leaders at Freedom Church. And it's essentially what came out of that was Someone Cares, where, as I said, we now have a whole team of volunteers who walk onto the wards and get, get to know families Um, and pray with them as well and I would say that the majority of families when placed in that situation if you say would you like to pray for you the answer nine times out of ten is yes I'd love you to pray and it's just such it's just such a privilege to bring those circumstances and those situations to God um, and to then also see answers to prayer as well and people actually coming to know God during the worst times of their lives, experiencing his love and his presence um, during one of the hardest times of their lives while their child is in hospital has just been absolutely remarkable, to be honest. Do you think, as uh, you mentioned, this, the, the challenges that as, a, as a working as a physio in the hospital, 
you know, you pray that prayer and you think, well, I know that will never happen because, you know, I'm a physio. I know the, the, the almost the boundaries and the separations between the clinical life and Christian life or spiritual life. Do you think that as Christians, we can be a little bit too, I don't know, like I've just been reading about um, the, the common divide that we all live with between facts and values or the secular and sacred which uh, it, it informs a lot of the way we are, we think about spirituality in the Christian life. And it, I think that for many of us as Christians, we, we're very just unthinkingly, we accept that there is this divide between, you know, oh, faith is, is a private matter, whereas, you know, medicine and um, working professionally, that's a, that's a public matter. Um, I think there's a challenge that sometimes as Christians, we, yeah, we, we swallow that too quickly. Whereas other mums, if you like, people who aren't religious or Christian, they, they just think, oh, spiritualism, I need it. I need help. It's another, it's an extension to, I don't know what some of your reflections on, on, on the, the, the barriers and the challenges that as Christians we might face to, um, that these, to answering those mums questions for a medium or spiritualist. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think as Christians, we do tend to often compartmentalize don't we our the our faith and the secular um saying that i do know some there's some amazing um people in our church who actually are very good at crossing that barrier and bringing faith into their workplace and do that incredibly well um but i think there is that tendency to kind of in some circumstances keep it to ourselves and think that it's not actually going to be welcomed when actually when you do ask the question like I've said, it, it usually is actually welcomed and people do actually want that um, that as part of their experience when they, especially when they hit those hard situations in life. Yeah. It's a very surprising reaction, isn't it? It's not something you'd really expect for all these mums to suddenly get their phones out and start swapping numbers of spiritualists. I just, I suppose, naively didn't think that that was uh that was that popular i mean it may be like you said liverpool's a, a microculture microcosm rather but I, I i do you know you see you see adverts for tarot reading in various pubs and you think there is a hunger out there for god for the spiritual in life um because we're spiritual creatures no matter how much people have been told that we shouldn't be um, there's still a longing in people for more isn't there yeah, absolutely. And I think it is often those circumstances that people do start to look, isn't it? When you're just going through your day to day and everything's hunky dory, you might people may be less interested. Um, but certainly when you're having questions about the future, I do think that is when people turn to um the spiritual, isn't it? And it's whether they whether they then look in the right place where they're gonna find God or not. Um and the the spiritualists and the mediums and the fortune tellers certainly in Liverpool are other places that people would turn to find out about the future um rather than than to God but it is it is it is amazing once having the opportunity to bring it into people's circumstances and for them to actually experience because there's nothing obviously there's no comparison is there between what someone gets from a fortune teller and what what they receive from god when they experience him personally there's no comparison so it's been a real it's been really amazing to kind of bring god and the reality of him and his love and his presence into really really dark situations in order hey and to see families and parents experience him for the very first time um, and to experience that kind of like complete contrast for themselves between what a fortune teller can give them versus what God can ultimately give them 
in those situations. And I mean, you so you're seeing doors open up, aren't you? That's given you opportunities to bring your faith into hospitals. Um, talk to us about. I mean, what, what I know you've alluded to this already, but moving from that kind of prayer that you slightly dismiss to then where you are now, like for a lot of people, they live with a, they hear of a, they see a concern and they live with a longing to do something, but they don't, they don't even know where to begin. Um, so what's the kind of the balance between just praying those prayers and then getting a prophetic sense of God leading and what are the, some of the steps that you took, you mentioned talking to the church leaders and was that kind of just generate faith or, I don't know, um, help people who are at that place of going, oh, I'd love to do something, but I don't know what to do next to see some of the journey that you've gone on uh, closer up. Sure. I think probably in character, um, I'm a bit of a pioneer. Um, I would always call that being more of a fire starter and in many ways view it as a negative because I like to start lots of things but don't finish anything, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) is my tendency however I am trying to acknowledge that as a positive Um, and I think if God puts something on your heart there's absolutely no harm in taking one little step and I think if you well the first thing obviously is to pray isn't it Um, Jesus spent so much time going off and praying didn't he I think if he put something on on your heart take it back to him and spend time praying into it with him Um, and as you do that, there's there's no harm in asking him for the specifics and also then taking those tiny steps and seeing what happens. So for me, the tiny step was during the next admission, just popping up and meeting the chaplains. You know, we had an extra half hour. Why not? Took my coffee, went upstairs, had a look around the spiritual care centre, said hi to the chaplain. I was just like, hey, you know, is there any chance that would you like this? You know, and it that conversation led to another conversation led to another conversation and I think we quite often can be um can end up feeling like we can't do anything a bit paralyzed by the size of something that God has maybe put on our heart but there's always one more little step even if this even if you even if the next step is all I don't know how to do that that actually means your next step is that you need to learn how to do that um there's no harm in doing a little google search and doing a little bit of learning is there and then you will know how to do that and then you do the next step and then you do the next step but prayer doing it prayerfully um is probably what what I would say and also taking it to your church leaders isn't it um asking other people to pray into it and let's share the things that God has put on our hearts I think it's really exciting to kind of support each other in that um I love getting in excited about other people's projects especially because then I, I don't need to do the work in those projects do I <laughs> can just get excited about them on someone else's behalf and pray into those projects um so really it's just listening to that little quiet voice of God and just doing the next step regardless of how small that is and seeing what God does with that he'll if it's not of if it's not of him or if it's not the right time he'll make that clear won't he so you can trust him in that process as well and trust him with how much he gives you um and how much he does with you in that season I think I mean are you someone who who lives with kind of do you feel, like lives with these burdens for things before you start acting on them and how do you and if you are which you know i guess if you're if you're a fire starting type you're passionate about things you're going to live with that no doubt kind of under your skin how how do you handle some of that because i know some people really struggle with this i just can't stop thinking about it and i don't know what to do about it it's quite crushing i feel the weight of this or the weight of that um yeah what's some advice you give to people who are living with these burdens um and it, re- it feels really uncomfortable to hold 
Yeah, I think share them. I think you need to share them, don't you? And you need to pray into them with somebody else. Um, I've got a, an amazing husband and really supportive friends who are very good at, I guess, separating the wheat from the chaff in terms of like the good ideas and the not so good ideas and the things that are of God and the things that are just me getting excited. Um, and so, but definitely just sharing them and just repeatedly taking them taking them back to God and bringing wisdom into it as well, isn't it? It's about your capacity as well. Um, I'm not keen on the word capacity, to be honest, in many ways, but, you know, we do have different capacity in different seasons. And just because God's put something on your heart, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's for for then. Um, sometimes you can identify a problem because of the situation that you're in, but it doesn't mean that you've got the capacity to do anything about that in that season. It might be something for later. So I do think we need to kind of hold things lightly, don't we, and on open hands um, and just that, trust that God will bring them to fruition in his in his timing. I think my tendency is to um, tell God that he's in the driving seat, but at the same time, quite often I want to be the one who holds the map and tells him where to go. I think we need to really trust that he is in the driving seat and let him determine where you go and at what speed. So it is a continual process of trust, isn't it? But yeah, you don't want to get carried away and go the wrong way, do you? Because that's not going to be as fun or as fulfilling as doing God's, God's work. No. No, that's true. Say more about what you said. I'm not a big fan of the word capacity in many ways. Why? What's beneath that? Yeah, I think capacity and what we um, what we feel God puts on our hearts and priorities. I think capacity and priorities are, are quite closely linked. Um, and I think we we will have capacity for the things that God gives us as a priority. Does that make sense? Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there are life experiences like we've had with Matthew, which has meant that we've had to take a step back from many things. But I do really feel like that was a season for us about learning um, and it didn't change our priorities. Um, and so. I think when you're taking out, taking out those situations where you've you've really got big life events going on, which is naturally going to drop your capacity. I think quite often we use lack of capacity as an excuse for not getting involved in something. Um, but really, it's about establishing where God wants you to put your priorities. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good. And then having the courage to say no to the other things that you, you know you don't need to be not for lack of capacity again saying oh, i'm so stretched i can't do it but actually realizing no god's not giving me grace for that at the moment he's giving me grace for this i should be pursuing this i should be putting more of my energy that you know whatever time i have got in that and sometimes i think as christians the, the hardest thing is you don't want to let people down so we don't like saying no to things um if someone says they've got a need then we think oh i should be the answer to that need and and that I think is sometimes where we end up getting burnt out is because not for lack of capacity, it's for lack of saying no to the right thing. Absolutely. Uh, Every yes is a hundred no's, isn't it? If you say yes to one thing, you're actually saying no to a hundred others. Um, so it's just knowing what it is that God's calling you to put your, you know, your time to. And that's going to be different for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And my observation is, you know, that every yes is a hundred no's fills a lot of people with fear because the the FOMO philosophy of fear of missing out or you've only or the YOLO you've only got one life so you, you've got to that philosophy is a is a fear-based philosophy 
Um, you've only got one life. You've got to get everything done in with it now. And it ends up causing us to become overwhelmed and exhausted if we're living with the YOLO mindset. Um, but actually, as Christians, we should be rejecting that out of hand and saying, no, no, I, what do you mean i got one life? I, I need to be obedient to my father and do what he's called me to do, not have every experience I can possibly have. So I think people often use that as an excuse to maximize everything that they can do with their time and life and they end up you know again missing out on being effective and fruitful because they're busy living with this fear of death um, which is what it really is um so yeah something i've been reflecting on recently thinking no we need to live by living by faith means saying no to that and no to that and saying i'm never going to travel to that place i'm never going to have that experience because god's called me to be this and do this and embrace an ordinary life as a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a bit about some of the um, things then that you've seen God do through the Someone Cares ministry. Um, again, on the blog on Jubilee Plus, which I recommend everyone goes and reads, um, there's some encouraging examples of, it's even in the early days of God giving you open doors and, and invitations into people's life to be a blessing. Share some of those if you can. Yeah, sure. I think one thing I've really learned through doing the Someone Cares ministry is that um, God invites us through that to be part of situations that he's already involved in. Um, I remember first when it first started kind of praying to him and taking him all these different situations that we'd encountered, you know, praying for this family and praying for this family and praying for this family, like handing them to him. And actually his kind of very gentle rebuke of, um, hang on a minute, this isn't your situation to give me. This is my situation that I've invited you into to be part of and to bring God's presence and be the feet on the ground. Um, And I think that's something that we've really seen. God is already at work in Alderhey. He is already at work in these families' lives. He already loves these families and these individuals. Um, And us stepping in is a real privilege. And I think, so one example of that, for example, is we were on the wards and we were just uh, on that day we were just putting out cards in all the parents kitchens um about spiritual care just a little bit of an you know just an information flyer and um someone came past at the time and they said oh what's what you do and what's this and so we explained um and they were do you need to talk cards um and the initial response was, oh, no, I don't need to talk. But actually, that parent ended up chasing us off the ward and saying, no, actually, I do need to talk. Um, and it was it was a real privilege to be in the right place at the right time um, to hear what was going on and then to be able to bring that situation to God. Like, how, how amazing is that? Um, how unexpected is that when you're a parent on a ward in a hospital to have that opportunity to share it with somebody and then take it to a God that actually you don't know yet um, and to realize that God loves you. So that was one example. We had another family who we had the absolute privilege of sitting with whilst their son was in surgery with only a 50% chance of survival. Um, Again, just being there at the right time in the right place to be able to sit with that family and just talk during that time and pray and what we prayed for was peace um and they went back to the Ronald McDonald house which is where they were staying and they told us the next week that they'd gone back and they'd fallen asleep now you know that in itself is unheard of isn't it your child's in surgery 
there's a 50% chance that they're, they're not going to survive the day and you go and you fall asleep. Um, and they both woke up at exactly the same time, five minutes before the consultant rang to say that the surgery was over. And they viewed that as an answer to prayer and God loving them, a God who, again, they didn't know. Um, God gave them peace that they didn't understand. And he, they really saw him draw alongside them. And they actually, they started taking other families up to the chapel every night and writing prayer cards before they went back to the Ronald McDonald house and they really encountered God in their in during their admission in that situation and they experienced him as a God who loves um, and a God who draws alongside and a God who answers prayers and a God that they can turn to and rely on in those circumstances um so yeah we've got lots and lots of stories there was another time we walked into a room and the mom looked at us in horror because she'd she was really shocked because she'd actually just put two little angels around the room um that that they'd she'd had in her pocket while her child was in intensive care um and she was kind of like putting these angels around the room and i guess asking god to help them in their situation and as soon as she'd done that um, my Claudine and I walked into the room and we're like, hi, we're from spiritual care. We were wondering if you'd like us to pray with you. So, you know, again, it was another example of God placing us in a situation that he was already involved in um, and giving us the opportunity to bring his love and prayer into that, into this, into their circumstance. Um, so, yeah, it has been That's incredible. so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. Yeah. I love what you said about um I don't have used these words, but Jesus is already there, isn't he? He's with these people. God loves these people. Uh, and that takes a lot of the pressure off, I guess, for you to try to, you're not trying to work up an encounter with God. You're not trying to bring God into a situation. You're realising he's already there. Um, we want to see what you're doing. Uh, and that takes, I, I just love that. It, kind of, it just takes the pressure off. It's a different way of thinking about it. Uh, and actually, probably the way a different way of thinking that many of us could approach the way we live our lives, not God be with me, but God show me what you're doing today and where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that's been interesting going into older hay is that it's not a healing ministry, which is a bit bizarre thing to say, given you're in a hospital, it's not a healing ministry and it's not an evangelism ministry. It's a ministry of getting alongside people and bringing God's love into their circumstances and actually, you know, we're working with families who um, and getting to know families where complete healing hasn't been and may not be part of their journey. Um, and so, yes, we have a God who heals. We have a God who we can pray to for healing. But you're also having to walk that journey with families who who may not see God's complete healing. Um, and that's you know that's that's a that's a challenge as well but it does really kind of help them see that god is a, a loving god in all circumstances um and that's certainly something that we've experienced as a family so i've got personal experiences that i can draw on for that we've seen healings small healings in matthew's journey but we haven't seen a complete sudden miraculous healing of all the things that we would love to see healing for but we know that th that will come um it might just not be on this side of eternity so God does heal, doesn't he? But it's not always on this side of eternity. And that's something that we get to share with families as well. Wow, that's beautiful. And uh, it strikes me as well that something that is different from, say, a medium or a spiritualist who 
um, may have the appearance of care and concern, but at the end of the day, they're still charging a fee and doing it for money and telling people often what they want to hear, rather than being a presence in people's darkest situations in their lives. The hardest thing for a parent to be in a hospital with their child. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine really just how painful that and scary that must be for so many parents. The last place on earth you want to be. Uh, and yet to see people there loving them and revealing to them the God who cares is a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, you mentioned then just about prayer for healing. You have two girls as well who experienced quite a miraculous healing themselves um, during lockdown. Could you tell us a bit about that? And then I'd love to get your reflections on living with this dynamic of healed and unhealed. Yeah, sure. So our girls also started life um, in, it was a bit tricky to be honest. They had a lot of issues with their gut and a really limited diet. Um, and like a really limited diet, as in only two or three foods that they could eat. Um, and it caused an awful lot of challenges. And then during lockdown, they were basically they we'd we'd been heading towards improvement in that, um, and their diet certainly improving. And then in lockdown, they were just healed completely of that. We used to have what we called the pray for pizza campaign. So they couldn't eat wheat or tomatoes or cheese, um, but they really wanted to eat pizza when they were little. So we had this thing called the pray for pizza campaign. Um, and in lockdown, we reached the point where we bought a Domino's pizza and we ate it as a family. Um, and yeah, they just had complete healing of that. They now have completely normal diets, apart from our middle child is allergic to cherries. Who knew? Because she couldn't eat them before. Um, <laughs> when she could, she's actually allergic to them. But other than that, they are just loving life and loving food. Um, and then our youngest son, Matthew, so obviously he's got a much more complicated journey. But with him, we've it's we've had... We, there's things that we've prayed for um or we've always prayed for healing um and we've seen little healings along the way kind of like um normalization of blood tests or for his chest x-ray to improve you know these types of things um but one really lovely story we've got of healing for him is he was diagnosed as along the journey with something called a Chiari malformation which is where your brain is pushed down through the hole at the base of the skull into the spinal cord um spinal column and it puts pressure on your brainstem um, and leads to all manner of symptoms. And he had a Chiari malformation. Um, and we one day started getting all these quite a few text messages from various unrelated people saying, um, I just want to let you know that I'm praying for Matthew to be healed of his Chiari malformation today. Um, it turns out they're all at the um, Naturally Supernatural conference. Um, didn't know each other so it was my brother-in-law and a few people from church and other people that we knew and they'd been in a seminar where the leader was talking about his child who had had a Chiari malformation and it was about he was talking on the topic of healing and these people had all felt prompted to pay pray for Matthew and for his Chiari anyways we went to our next neurosurgery appointment having had an MRI um, and Matthew no longer had a Chiari malformation and the surgeon was like, huh, this is not the conversation I was expecting to be having today. I've not I've not seen a Chiari malformation resolve on its own. So we went from this situation of going to discuss whether he needed surgery, which is quite often not successful, can lead to a lot of other problems, to, 
huh, your son doesn't have a Chiari malformation anymore. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a complete U-turn in his story. Um, and yet there's still, there's a lot of things that are going on with Matthew still that have, have, have not been healed. We haven't seen complete healing. But in terms of that tension between healing and not healing, I think actually I've reached the point now of thinking that, you know, God is powerful enough to heal. He could heal everything about Matthew in an instant. And I think in us that then would have produced a huge amount of praise and then probably not a lot after. And the journey that we've been on with Matthew, seeing small healings along the way and some things not healed, um, it's really kind of been a walk of faith and I feel like we've learned so much more about God and the character of God and grown so much more in our faith um, and learned so much more about his goodness than if we had had that sudden healing um, and even now we're still needing to continue to trust God we still don't have a diagnosis for Matthew we're on the brink of more genetic testing and more investigations um, for him and so we're still having to hold him lightly on open hands, um, acknowledging that he is God's child, um, still needing to learn to turn to prayer rather than Google in looking for answers. Um, and all of these lessons we wouldn't have learned if God had miraculously healed everything in an instant. Um, we'd have learned that God heals, but we already know that. And I think as well, we really learned how to live life from a heavenly perspective. And that's something that I really appreciate um, and that has become really fundamental to us. Um, when you experience, when you view any situation from a heavenly perspective, it's a lot less scary than when you view it from an earthly perspective. Um, and we know that God will bring complete healing to Matthew but it, like I said, it might not be on this side of eternity, but there is that hope there for all of us, isn't there, um, of where we're going and how things will be in, in heaven. Oh, man. Can you, can you say a bit more about what you mean by a, a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective? Sure. So one of the things about not having a diagnosis is that we get to go through this process on a fairly regular basis of testing Matthew for various life-limiting conditions. Um, every department wants to check whether he's got a life-limiting degenerative condition. Um, and so that's, as a parent, just absolutely to carry that is, is for years, because it has literally been years of those types of investigations, has just been horrific. Um, and like I said, if you view that from an earthly perspective, that's absolutely terrifying, isn't it? Um, like, you know, the well-being of your children um that's really hard but I remember there was one and one one moment that's really stuck with me is that that I learned a lot about God in this moment and about our children and about how we steward them um when Matthew was about two I went for coffee with a friend who had a six-week-old baby and Matthew wanted to hold the baby so we put the six-week-old baby carefully in Matthew's lap um and after about 30 seconds baby started crying you know, he'd woken up, he was hungry, needed his mum. And in that moment, Matthew decided, no, thanks. I don't want to give the baby back. I'm giving the baby a hug. That's what's happening right now. And it was a really tense 30 seconds of trying to very carefully get a six-week-old baby from a two-year-old who was holding on very tight and didn't want to let go. Um, <laughs> but 
Actually, it came at the time where we were going through all these situations with Matthew, um, with his health and having all these horrible investigations. And it just really spoke to me about how I want to hold my children um, in front of God. And it really taught me that I needed to hold Matthew on an open hand and not a clenched fist. Um, that actually, just like this little baby, he belonged to his mom. He didn't belong to Matthew. Matthew had the privilege and the joy of holding him, but he couldn't meet any of the baby's needs. And there was never the expectation other in other than in his eyes that the baby would have to go back to his mom. And I think I really learned that that's how we need to hold our children. We need to acknowledge that they're God's children, that only he can provide them with what they need. Only he knows what they need. And it is a privilege and a gift for us to be able to love them and care for them for a short season in time. But they're not ours and they're not ours to hang on to. They're God's. Um, and so for me, that's really kind of shaped um, how I parent. And it's part of also viewing things with a heavenly perspective, isn't it? We all belong to God and, and everything we have in our life, not just our children, belongs to God and is a gift from God. Um and I don't think we could have gotten through that season without having a heavenly perspective, because ultimately, if the worst had happened, if we had received the worst diagnosis, which praise God, we haven't. Um, if we had received the worst diagnosis, the outcome of that be, would have been that Matthew would have gone to heaven to be with his heavenly father. So when you view that from an earthly perspective without God, that's terrifying. When you view that from a heavenly perspective, it's completely different, isn't it? Um, and. Yeah, praise God, Matthew is doing really well. None of those investigations came back with the diagnoses that they were looking for. Um, and he's absolutely thriving. But it was, again, it was a really powerful lesson to learn, horrendous to learn. But we have really learned to live life from a heavenly perspective and trust our Heavenly Father with everything that we have and to know that we have a, an eternal hope. Um so wow that's yeah. amazing everything's a lot less everything's a lot less scary when you view it in that sense isn't it yes beautiful and it, and it requires us to, to actively apply our faith rather than just passively hope everything's okay or hope that we'll feel fine about things you have to as a christian don't you take up you know put on the whole armor of god take up the sword of the spirit you know i was just praying about this you know this morning like so often i don't even pick up the shield i just let the fiery darts hit me and then pull them out and think oh, i'm so discouraged you've actually got to apply the shield to, to fend off the fiery darts um, yeah absolutely yeah it's such a beautiful image though like we can all picture that and we've all been there where a child doesn't want to give a baby back <laughs> oh i mean yeah i know it's a dicey moment yeah. i mean you 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 talked just then alluded to the the fact that what the god our heavenly father can at any moment if he chooses call our children his children to be with him in heaven um you've obviously you're involved with not just the someone cares ministry but also i know you provide physio you make physio provision available for women who suffered baby loss um can you tell me about how that came about um what the take up and interest has been in with something like that mm -hmm. yeah that's um been another incredible journey um of really having the opportunity to bring again God's love into circumstances through skills and experiences that he's given me I guess um it came out of having a friend who um very sadly lost her daughter to stillbirth at full term 
Um, and at the time I was teaching postnatal Pilates classes, this was before I gave up physio completely. I was teaching postnatal Pilates classes um, to women who were postnatal, um, new mum and baby classes. And as part of that, I was very aware of how much, um, you know, how many how many body changes happen through pregnancy and birth and just how much work there is to do um, in that postnatal period. Um, and just how much support is needed and I was just really acutely aware that I had I had friends actually who were coming to my classes who were postnatal and then I also had my other friend who'd lost her baby who wasn't coming to those classes and I knew that she was just as postnatal as any other woman in in my class Um, and that's something that is something that God put on my heart that then sat there for quite a few years because that was when Matthew was two so we were going through all those other things I've just spoken about and actually I gave up physio completely for a while in order to focus on his health um but it's always something that I'd carried and then I set up my own physio pilates business um last September and I'd spoken to my husband about oh wouldn't it be amazing to be able to provide some of this to women who have experienced a loss and the very day that I set it up I got a a message from somebody who I know who works at the Older Centre, which is a child bereavement centre attached to Older Hay, saying, I don't suppose you'd consider teaching, you know, postnatal Pilates to women after a loss. Um, So, I don't know, it just felt like that was, Mm. I know, exactly. Couldn't really dismiss that timing. It felt very much as God's timing. Um, And so obviously I said yes, and it's just gone from there. And again, it's just... It's just another opportunity to really kind of um, make a difference and to love people. And it's it's been really, um, it's made a really big difference, a real significant difference to women who are on a grief journey. Um, and it's continuing to grow. And and also I have had the opportunity to have some really lovely conversations with, with people who, again, have brought up faith um, within the context of loss and to just be able to gently be the person who can um, answer those questions has been really special as well when those questions have arisen but really it's just about the opportunity to walk alongside people um, and to use my skill set to make a difference um, and to bring God's kingdom in that way into that place which is really special yeah that's brilliant and um, I always think of uh, what God said to Moses before going into confront pharaoh and he said you know what's in your hand and it was his shepherd stuff and it was that that he said then throw that down i'll turn it into a snake etc god often says to us what's the skills that i've given you uh i've things that i've already equipped you with and let me use those things you know i'm not going to ask you to do it's not like the matrix necessarily the film where you just get downloaded with a new set of skills to go and do something often many of us we think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is going to, you know, mean that we're just suddenly you'd be able to speak a language you never be able to spoke before. It's actually a lot of the time, isn't it? God just works in the ordinary, looking at the skills that you've learned. You went to university, you studied, you worked as a physio. It just felt very normal and natural. And then you hand it to God and say, you know, can I use this for your kingdom to bring your heart to people? I love the timing of that. On that same day, someone gets in touch about that. It's just. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was it was confirmation for me, really, that this was something to pursue um, and something to, again, pray into um, and then just trust God with how the doors opened. Um, and it has been a process I've really had to trust him on um, and I've poured a lot of prayer into. Um, and yeah, I'm just having the opportunity now to see it grow um, and to see 
to see women supported, which has yeah. been incredible. Amazing. You are you are that fire starter, aren't you? You get things going. I love that. And yeah, I just need to learn how to keep them going <laughs> or at least pass on the enthusiasm and the baton to somebody else. So that's the bits. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? We've all got different gifts. And it's interesting you said, you know, you often um well, I can't remember the word you use, but we we can often see the negatives in the gifts that we've got. You think, oh, I'm a starter, and then we feel bad that I'm not also a completer or a finisher or a continuer uh, it's actually I, I, recognizing that you have gifts but you don't have all the gifts so you've got a valuable role in in getting things going and then passing on to other people um is, is there something you can say just about learning to accept and validate the different gifts that god's given us is there anything you've learned about that yeah again it just highlights how important it is to be um doing things as a body doesn't it and in community and within our church family um and i think i've had a lot of validation from people within church being like you know no it's okay we recognize you as a as a fire starter um let's view that as a good thing let's kind of trust in that um and kind of like the I guess the prophetic that's in that as as well you know when God puts something on somebody's heart and they want to run with it and I do feel like I've been supported in that um and I think it's about being an encourager, isn't it? We can encourage every everybody into the things that God has for them. Um, I think one thing that's really exciting is encouraging people into what God, God has for them in the future, not necessarily where they are at the time. Um, and that's a really important part of being part of church as well, I think, and being part of the body. Um, I must say it's quite exhausting for my husband <laughs> because <laughs> it's always a new project <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm getting an insight into your prayer life together as a couple or your conversations <laughs> yeah I mean, he's he's really good he's um yeah really supportive and also brings a lot of solidity to, to all those things yeah yeah but i love your comment you know the value the gift of belonging to a people being part of a church um and i guess you know with your passion for bringing the kingdom wherever you are you realize that if we're going to you know be agents of the kingdom then actually it's not kingdom or church it's we're only able to bring the kingdom and see ourselves as ambassadors of the king we're only able to see ourselves as that if we're part of a community that's able to support us because it is supposed to be at the end of the day a group fishing project rather than just you know lone wolves or, or little gnomes on their own out there with a rod <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also eliminates comparison as well, doesn't it? Which can be something that can be really unhelpful and unhealthy. Um, just kind of that recognition that within the body, God does give us, we are all different parts and he does give us all different roles and purposes and places us in different areas. Um, and it has been really helpful kind of having that approach and understanding that has been really helpful in kind of um, taking away that kind of secular comparison that we can end up doing um as well so yeah that's really good it's, again you use the phrase a secular comparison again a lot of that in the world comes from a a fear-based i've got to be the best i've got to be the biggest i've got to be the most impressive similar to what we're saying about i've got to have all these experiences as christians we really do have to lean into our faith lean into the relationship we have with god as you said at the beginning, to get our identity from God so that when things change, we're not out of sorts, to be able to decide what to say yes to, what to say no to, and to recognise the gifts that we've got, that we're not the Messiah. That's okay. Jesus is doing a good job at that anyway. Um, But therefore, we get to be part of his body uh, and see him work through us. 
Um, Jenny, you're an amazing lady. It's so, uh, such a privilege to talk with you. It's really exciting to hear what God's doing. Um, what, um, just as we draw things to a close, what would be some of the other things on your heart or mind right now to, to leave people with as an encouragement? Um, I think just know that regardless of your circumstances, um, that you are part of God's kingdom and you are a stake in the ground and that he is involved in your circumstance um, and has purposes for you um, and based on your unique experiences and skill set um, and that you can trust him in that um, and that even if things don't feel like they're going the way that you thought that they would, that doesn't mean that God's not involved and that he doesn't have purposes and plans for you and that he's a good God and that he can bring good out of all circumstances. Oh, man, that's superb. Uh, is there anything actually just as, and I'm sure people have uh, really benefited and enjoyed hearing from you. Is there any way that people can pray for you and encourage you in prayer and the things that you're doing? Yeah, I think pray for someone cares. Um, pray for all the families that we encounter in Alder Hay. And I think the other thing that we'd love prayer for is that we're actually just looking at the process of expanding someone cares growing it so that it can be replicated by other churches into other hospitals. Um, there's over a thousand hospitals in the UK and we would really love to see someone cares projects run by other local churches into other hospitals um, using the model that we've used here in Liverpool. So pray for that process as well. That'd be great. 